service for Jesus your King. There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood. There's power, power, wonder working power. All right, everybody, I'd like to find your seat and uh, stand with us as we praise and worship together, and we'll, uh, we'll pray, okay? Father, we come to you in the name of your Son by the power of your Spirit. We're a vehicle bought by you, driven by you on its way to you, and um, thank you for bringing us and starting a good work in us and giving us the confidence of this and pray today that we would see Lord Jesus your surpassing worth and the centrality of you in all things and may you be central in our lives and may you lift your name high within us today as a people and individually that all the questions and 
joys that we seek to answer and to feel and which we're groping towards may be found in you. It's the only place where it can be. It's for your wonderful name we pray. unfold like flowers before you opening to the sun above melt the clouds of sin and sadness drive the dark of doubt away giver of eternal gladness fill us with the light of day you are the one who saves. You are the one who saves. You are the one who saves. Lift us from the grave. You are the light of life, the everlasting day. You are the one. Say 
Y'all can have a seat. A few announcements this morning before we get going full swing. Um, Operation Christmas Child boxes are available um, outside the Welcome Center. Um, they are due back by November 16th. <coughs> Shipping is nine boxes. We expect them to be Richard Smith in person welcome boxes. And so please uh, help out and uh, get give some kids a happy Christmas. Uh, next is going to be uh, Tuesday is the prayer devotional um, during their study of Philippians. Uh, we'll be meeting at 6 p.m. and Tuesday in the worship center um, for time of prayer and devotion. If you're not able to join us, be on the lookout on Facebook and YouTube for those uh, links. Um, also, devotional yoga is on Thursdays for two more weeks at 630 in the fellowship hall. So grab a friend, grab a mat and have some fun. Uh, Wednesday, I mean, women's night out. Wednesday, I know. Women's night out. Wednesday, October 27th at 6 p.m. Dinner is on your own, but you will have a great way to connect with other women from FCC and have a fun outing. So if you're interested, uh, have any questions, I'm sure you can talk to Rachel. Um, men's breakfast, if you're interested, all men of the church. Saturday, October 30th at 9 a.m. in the fellowship hall, we'll be having some fellowship and uh, great breakfast, I'm sure, because it's always good food. Um, and then uh, Friendsgiving, uh, the Kids and Student Ministries are seeking donations for our annual event for uh, the ministry um, called Friendsgiving. Last year, we were able to see a lot of the shut-ins, deliver Thanksgiving to them, um, but also it's a great time for us to fellowship and have some fun. Um, if there's a list outside the foyer, um, if you have any questions, contact me or Brittany or the church office. And that's all I have. Kids are dismissed. rise with us once more. Grace, what have you done? Murdered for me on that cross. Accused in absence of wrong. My sin washed away in your blood Too much to make sense of it all I know that your love breaks my fall The scandal of grace You died in my place My soul will live Oh, to be like you, give all I have just to know you. Jesus, there's no one beside you. Forever the hope in my Death, where is your sting? Your power's as dead as my sin. The cross has taught me to live. And mercy, my heart now to sing. The day and its troubles shall come. 
I know that your strength is enough The scandal of grace You died in my place So my soul will live Oh, to be like you Give all I have just to know Jesus, there's no one beside you. Forever the hope in my heart. And it's all because of you, Jesus. It's all because of you, Jesus. It's all. Because of your love that my soul will live Oh, to be like you Give all I have just to know you Jesus, there's no one beside you Forever the hope in Amen. All right, let's have a seat, everyone. Good to see you all. I mean, it is really good to see you all. Uh, definitely missed you guys. Uh, and uh, it's wonderful to be back with our church family again and um, uh, get through this season. I appreciate your prayers for myself and my wife uh, as we've kind of gone through our own little interesting COVID journey. Uh, but praise the Lord, I'm here, and um, so I'm ready to inflict myself on you, but no other, nothing else other than myself, if that, if that makes any sense. Um, so I'm glad, uh, glad to just be back, uh, getting back in the groove again. Um, so as, uh, as we just kind of get back into the, the swing of things here, um, I want to sort of find out what's going on with you guys and see if there are any prayer concerns or anything like that that uh, you guys have weighing on, on your hearts uh, as you gather uh, with, uh, with the saints and as we lift up one another in prayer and praise. Uh, so anybody have anything that, is, uh, that, that you brought into the room with you? Kathy? Okay. Okay, so in a couple of weeks on Tuesday, November 2nd, uh, we'll be resuming with the women's Bible study. Um, so look at 1030 here at the church in room 201, right? Okay, so if you're looking for something to do on Tuesdays and uh, you want to kind of get uh, built up in the things of the Lord, it's a great study to be a part of. Okay, it's Susie? Men too. If men would be interested. Oh, you're opening it up to men as well. Okay. Well, maybe I'll show up. Okay. How's that? Okay. 
All right. Well, um, okay. Yeah, Diane. Yeah, yeah, that, that I am aware of, and that's very scary. Uh, obviously, uh, it's riskier and riskier to be a missionary because everybody has this idea that they carry insurance policies and, um, and they threaten to take the lives of missionaries uh, with ransoms and things like that. So uh, definitely a situation in Haiti that uh, is very concerning for the church. Uh, so lift up those missionaries that they could be delivered and um, nothing bad would, would occur uh, with what the work that they're doing or their, or their personal lives. Okay, anything else? Robin? Okay, so pray for Teresa and her family. Okay, any others? Yeah, Diane. My son had um, shoulder surgery last week. Okay. Was, they were talking about a neighbor pushing um, his purse, et cetera, which was very helpful. He, he was in extreme pain, but he's oh better now, and then it's going to be a longer recovery, but he's okay. What's your son's name again? Joshua. Joshua, yeah. Anyone else? Okay. Oh, we got hands waving back. This is not a Pentecostal church. We can't do that. So, sorry. No, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, no offense to anybody who's from that tradition. Um, go ahead, Lisa. Okay. She is recovering from the surgery. Oh my. Okay. Just prayers that she gets the help she needs and protection and just in uh, a new direction. Okay. All right. Pray for Dakota, who's um, trying to pull out of a very dark moment. Hopefully, she'll be okay. Okay. All right. Uh, is that Carissa? Jesus, as we gather in this room and we bring our hearts and our minds and everything that um, we have to surrender before your throne of grace uh, in a spirit of humility, Lord, and dependence, trusting, Lord, that all of the burdens that are in this room, those mentioned and those not mentioned, uh, will be addressed in ways that um, redemptively work out your purposes for 
our lives and the lives of the people that we care so deeply about. Father, I just thank you for being with our church and for helping us with uh, a variety of challenges that we've had pastorally. Uh, we thank you, Father, for being with our shut-ins, uh, for being with Grace Zimmerman. I just pray, Father, that uh, you continue to be that sustaining force um, in the lives of those that um, are in need of your care and that are dependent. Thank you for those who care in ways that show um, generosity and love and provision and being able to be agents of grace uh, as, uh, as you've um, allowed uh, people to be aware of what's happening in the lives of people around them. Just thank you, Father, for your, your angels and your ministers of mercy. We pray, Father, for the lives that we've mentioned. We pray for um, Diane's son as he recovers from rotator cuff, that you would bless everything that the doctors are doing in, in his situation, that you would bless Robin's uh, cleanup of her property, that it would be uh, able to accomplish what they need to accomplish to resolve and settle uh, their uh, their estate with her father. I pray, Father, that you would be with Dakota and that you would just keep the dark angels from uh, eclipsing uh, this young life and that you would station your angels of light around her and that you would help her to discover the good news that we have in Christ Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would be with um, Don's family as they grieve uh, the passing of his grandmother and that your mercy and grace would just carry them through this time. Uh, I pray, Father, that you would be with um, uh, just all the needs that we have that we haven't mentioned, because uh, I know pastorally, um, looking at the faces around, uh, there are struggles that are happening even as we pray. And I just ask that um, you would also touch those lives that are seeking wisdom, seeking healing, seeking reconciliation, uh, with loved ones and just thank you father that as we take all of this all of the things that we have in you and we place them before your throne um, we have a spirit of gratitude that we want to also offer to you trusting that as you've answered prayers in the past uh, you'll continue to do so as time unfolds thank you for being with my wife and uh, myself and giving us strength to recover from COVID. And those also that are, that are struggling, like Teresa, we pray that you would just give her um, just a, 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 not a difficult time, but rather just help her through this and protect her kids. And um, we thank you, Father. As um, we take uh, all of this and we look at um, the life of Jesus and we trust that as we follow him and just seek to make him a greater part of our lives, that you would help us to attend to the Lord's Prayer in a way that rejuvenates our spirits. Uh, so would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Well, we are still um, uh, journeying through the book of Philippians, and if you've um, been tracking with us, uh, you know that we're pushing the pause button on the book of Luke for a little bit, and we are trying to ask the question, what does uh, Paul have to say to the Philippian church that is going to be beneficial for the church of, uh, for First Christian Church, and how it is that we can gain wisdom regarding uh, his pastoral insight into how they're called to live their lives and how we ourselves can look at that insight and say, this is how it can apply uh, to First Christian Church uh, in this moment. Um, because the truth is, uh, we are living in a time when I don't know that we've ever experienced the level of fragmentation culturally that we are experiencing right now. And part of it is um, we have so much information that people are being prompted by, people are being um, influenced by, people are looking at uh, the voices from out there and listening to them in a way that they, we take them to heart and then they, they start to define us. And unfortunately, that information can make us very anxious, it can make us unsettled, uh, but yet worse than that, uh, it can cause us to be at odds with one another. Um, we've just gone through the most divisive uh, election uh, you know, a few years ago in, in ways that um, I've never seen before. I, I've never seen the level of escalation on racial issues that um, seem to constantly be at the forefront of uh, the news cycle. Um, I, I've never seen uh, the level of hostility that people have uh, towards one another when it comes to road rage and, and things that um, you know, are a little frightening. My, my son, Stephen, is actually, the reason I'm kind of tuned into that, he's uh, just finished up his CDL. And, um, and I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what YouTube has to tell me about truck drivers, because I, I have a little bit of free time right now. Uh, and so um, what I discovered was there are, there are different channels that just deal with the topic of road rage and how people are so uncivilized towards one another on the road. I mean, vehicles, literally cars stopping in front of semis while they're going down the road because they didn't like something that they did. And I'm like, wow, what kind of, what level of madness uh, has taken over? And uh, I finished watching some of those videos and I had to turn it off. And then I asked Stephen, are you sure you don't wanna just get a job, you know, working over at, um, I don't know, um, uh, a greeter at Walmart might be pretty easy, um, but he doesn't seem to be uh, too challenged by that prospect, and so, um, you know, it is, uh, it is what it is, but uh, you can just look at a variety of fronts, and uh, it, it, many of you are in work environments where um, there's hostility between management and employees, or administrators and employees, and um, there are just all kinds of pathways where people find themselves coming unglued. Now, imagine being a pastor in a church where these sort of forces are at work, and you're trusting that the forces at work out there are not greater than the forces that, that are at work in here. And I honestly believe that uh, the forces at work inside of you and I 
based on who we worship in this room, um, are more powerful. And as we've gone through the book of Philippians so far, Paul is trying to point us to something very central uh, to our lives that I think um, I found, even as I've gone through my own recovery time, I've, you know, I've watched more YouTube videos on not just road rage and tractors and cars and, you know, a little bit of uh, Christian stuff. Um, and of all the things that I found myself engaging with, every single one of them has kind of just left me feeling empty and sort of um, just not fulfilled except for one. And it's just been remarkably um, uh, surprising, but in a sense, shouldn't be surprising at all. The time that I spent with the Lord in his word was just life-giving and rejuvenating and refreshing. And it was palpable. And I, I, I really appreciated it because it underscored the thing that I, I think I take for granted a lot. And that is how much what we do together and in my job, the Lord is so central. But when you find yourself in, a, in, in kind of a state where you really are, things are a lot more clear for just a moment. You, you discover where your source for life and vitality is and where it's not. And as um, we're looking at ourselves as a church, there is only one source, and uh, we know that to be our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you, if you would, we're going to take a, a minute, we're going to focus on one of the most beautiful chapters in all of the New Testament that we find in Philippians chapter 2. And um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be reading uh, some scripture here, and you can, you're welcome to follow along if you like on the screen, or if you have a Bible, please uh, take a look at that. But Paul is looking at this group of Christians, and he's saying, um, you have the same divisive forces at work in your world um, that, that we have ourselves, and he's trying to get them to realign around the throne of Christ. So he says this, therefore, if not, and, and, and when he says if, it means if in the sense of not possibly, but if as in these are settled realities, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, because there is no question that it is a settled reality that when you are united with Christ, there's your source for encouragement. And he says, if any comfort from his love, not possibly Jesus might comfort you, but rather it's a settled reality that there is comfort to be found in his love. If any common sharing in the spirit, once again, it's not just conditional, possibly, maybe, hopefully it'll happen, but rather common sharing in the spirit is a settled reality when uh, you read the scriptures from, uh, for, through, through the lens of what's been established in Christ. And if any tenderness and compassion and as Paul is writing these characteristics in a way that define the community of people, he's got something a little bit 
larger in the back of his mind that we're going we're gonna to tune to here in just a second. But basically, if you were to say um, the world that we live in encourages somewhat, but not to the level that we find encouragement in Christ. The world that we live in offers comfort, but not at the level of comfort that we find knowing that Jesus is at the center of, of, um, uh, of, of, our, of our lives in, in, in his love. If there is any sharing in the spirit, there's a reality of his presence through this spirit. And if there is any tenderness and compassion, all of those resources are only available in and through him. So he's saying that don't be a church that's caught up in the divisiveness, in the one-upmanship, in the competition, in that spirit of uh, one person's parades around like they're better than the other. He's saying, if you're, if you're that new humanity in Christ, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Now, when Paul is writing this, and he says, by being like-minded, he's saying, setting your mind on these things in a way that you assume that this is, this is just the case. So let's move on a little bit. And as um, we read in the next few verses, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others in your relationship with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, there's a lot being said here, and I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't spend a little bit of time unpacking these first three verses um, and just looking at what he's saying to uh, this, this group of believers who are struggling. Um, but it's kind of summarized in what he's getting ready to describe as the mindset of Christ Jesus. But what is that mindset, and how does that make a difference? And as um, a community of believers, this only works when each of us has the mind of Christ. When each of us is asking the question, what would Jesus do? What would be his posture towards the work of the church, the responsibilities that we have as a church to each other in the community? What is the posture towards disagreement? And how do we take the presence of Jesus at the center of us as a body and work backwards from that? Now, Paul is actually showing us something that um, I, I think goes all the way back to the first chapter in Genesis, uh, where you have Adam and Eve and you have a community of people being formed to rule over all of creation, and as everything is settled and it is good, and then when he creates Adam and Eve, he says it's very good, and the notion is that the world and everything that is designed according to a creational purpose is now in order, um, 
that vision for community that was so brief, yet so quickly destroyed, is about to be recovered. And as Paul is pointing to all of these qualities and values that define their community together, he's saying, now let's just take a minute and look at Jesus. And the words we're getting ready to read, some believe are one of the very first Christian hymns that when people gathered like we're gathering right now, they had a tune that they would sing these words to and it would just embed within their own mind, their own thinking, um, what it was that, they, that made them different as a people. Now, you, you ever leave church and you've sang a, a song or a hymn and it's kind of stuck in the back of your brain? Isn't that a wonderful thing? It's like the Holy Spirit says, this is your song for the week. Now, my wife was binge-watching a particular show, and, um, and I was kind of in the background. And I don't know if, you, if you've gone through COVID or not, but one thing I discovered was everything is louder. I mean, really loud. And I love my wife to death, but um, she was feeling better, and I wasn't feeling better. And she decided it was time to pick up around the house and clean and organize. And, and um, uh, we have a garbage uh, can that's got a little foot pedal on it. And every time she'd open it up and put something, it'd go bam, bam, bam. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, there's going to be a death in our family. And it's not going to be me. And I'm so sorry preemptively just to tell you, I do love my wife, but... That keeps up, I'm just going to, I don't know. Um, but yet everything was just louder. And, and just your, your senses are just so acute. And, and as you know, she was watching this show, I would hear it. And it would start playing in my head. And I didn't really, I mean, it was okay, but after a while, the, the theme song just kept playing over and over and over. And she came home and she says, I can't wait to binge watch my show. And I said, honey, no. I said, I said, just if you're going to watch it, go in the other room where I can't hear it. And she's like, you hate my show. I'm like, no, I don't hate your show, but I can't, I can't listen to it anymore because it's just getting underneath my skin. But the converse side was um, I was able to have a couple of Christian tunes that I kind of carried in my head. And it was amazing the level of peace that I found from that. And this hymn that we're getting ready to read, I believe, was something that followers of Jesus took to heart. And they carried it in their heart in such a way that it, 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 it was sort of like the, the soundtrack for the back of their lives. So here we go. It says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, um, it doesn't say anything in these verses about Adam or Eve. And Adam is just the, the word that we means human, and Eve means life. And in the storyline of the Bible, Adam was truly a human in the way that glorified God and reflected his image for just a brief moment. And Eve, at the same time, was that life-giving presence for just a brief moment until the evil one came and stole it all away, stole their birthright, tricked them into thinking that they could become like God and have equality with God and to basically um, take the capacities that God had limited so much and expand on them. And they bought it. And they basically were saying to God, we're not going to obey you anymore. We're going to follow our own way and our own design. Now, when you read this, you find that Jesus is saying, I'm going to obey the Father in all things. I'm going to come to the earth, and when people see me, they're going to see the Father. But what's going to be different is they're also going to see the new Adam. They're going to see the prototype of the new human being. They're going to see the attitude and the posture of someone who, unlike Adam, gets it right. And Paul wants us to wrap our mind around the fact that when Jesus became one of us, it wasn't that he eliminated his capacity to be God and do, to be divine and to do all the miraculous and all that stuff that we imagine God capable of doing. But rather, he said, I'm going to take all of that, I'm going to place it under the direction of the Father and only do what the Father instructs me to do. And so when he humbles himself in the form of a man, he's essentially saying, I'm going to live my life in a way that honors the Father's will at every turn, which we know he did. Even to the point, as we read, that his servitude towards all of humanity, being made in human likeness, resulted in his death. And not just any kind of death, but death on a cross, which is obviously a whole other sermon. But in effect, Jesus said, I'm going to honor the Father's will even to the point of losing my life for him. And when he did that, of course... He earned the right to become king of kings and lord of lords. Now, when Adam and Eve, I don't know if you realize this or not, but when Adam and Eve were 
were initially given the responsibility of reigning over the earth, their job essentially was to be in control of everything, that everything would bow down to them, everything would respond to them, everything would follow their lead. Even, even the evil one was subject to their reign, and the only person that wasn't subject to their reign was God the Father. And the evil one, of course, didn't like that whole notion, and that's why he went the direction that he did in, in misleading them and stealing their birthright. But Jesus essentially accomplished in the three years that he was here performing ministry and acts of service, he accomplished everything that Adam and Eve couldn't, and he did so faithfully, but also in a way that undid the curse. Now, the backstory behind uh, Philippians 2 is also Romans chapter 5. So if you ever want to read Romans 5 and think about it in terms of Jesus as the new Adam, Paul doesn't refer to that specifically, but essentially he's saying Jesus is living his life in the way that Adam was supposed to. And if you ever want to understand how to live as a human being, look no farther than him. And what's so special about him is that he is the life-giving source for our humanity. I mean, it, it is no lie. The times that I spent reflecting on the presence of the Lord were the times that I felt like my life was coming back. And the times that I was kind of not really doing that, and I was just, you know, watching stupid YouTube videos just to kill the time. Um, it, it was like, yeah, I feel like the life ebbing out of me once again. And it was, it was sort of like there's a plug-in, and, um, and, 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 it, and it had been disconnected, and I just was languishing. And then when Jesus, in the form of prayer, meditation, scripture reading, the things that I did to try to reconnect with them, it was like the plug was reinserted back into the socket again. And it was like the life came back. Now, if you've ever gone through COVID, you know that you, you sort of go from life being black and white and without any, um, I don't know, there's just no joy. Nothing is interesting. Nothing really has any flavor. And then, speaking of flavor, even, now this is, this is how bad it was, even peppers were not interesting to me. And you know that if that's the case, um, it, it, it's a bad day in Black Rock for sure. Well, that's kind of coming back, thankfully. Now, now, Mandy, interestingly enough, she's lost her taste buds completely. And they've just started to come back. And she's like, I want to test this. So last night before we went to bed, uh, she tried some wasabi. And... I'm like, wow, that's really a bold move on your part because I don't know how much you don't like spicy things. And she says, oh, I can taste it. I can taste it. Of course, we went to bed, and about half an hour later, she's like, my stomach's not feeling very good. I said, yeah, you probably overdid it with the wasabi, but hey, at least you proved your point. Your taste buds are coming back, and your life is starting to reemerge again, and it's going from black and white to 
to color all over again. Now, the Apostle Paul knows in his gut, at the deepest level, the fact that Jesus is resetting our humanity and has done so on the cross. And the empty tomb is just an expression of how now we have humanity 2.0 or humanity the right way. Whenever um, uh, you see that imagery, it is almost like prior to Jesus coming, we'd been in a black and white mode for a very long time. That the joy, that the comfort, that the encouragement, that the peace, that all of those things of having the, the, the mind of God again, they just weren't there. Not in any deeply satisfying and enriching way, but after Jesus came into the picture, those things started to perk the life and, and, and the well-being of people who accepted him as their Lord and Savior back up again. I really believe that's why we're here. I mean, to be truthful, um, there's a part of me that said, I'm struggling coming back here to preach to you guys because I'm, I'm honestly not feeling 100%. But I also know that there is something life-giving about being in the presence of the Lord with God's people that I, I, can't, I, can't, um, I, I can't not be a part of. And, um, and, and, and there is just a strengthening that the connection creates that redefines everything in a colorful way. Now, Paul is looking at this group of people. He sees them listening to the inputs from the world, the forces that work in the world, the Roman view of nobody um, who is worth anything thinks about humility or serving other people. It's all about how you can position yourself in society so that you are perceived as having more social worth or value than another human being. And so there's a huge pecking order uh, that's been established in the Roman Empire as to who has value and who doesn't. And it wasn't until the fourth century that the notion of humility caught on. Can you believe that? Um, in, in, in the Roman world. Prior to that, serving other people, being humble before other people was not an acceptable or not an attractive value. But there's something that Jesus did that redefined how we respond to one another. Now, I'm just going to kind of bring it to a close. There's a lot more to talk about, but I'm just going to um, draw something out here that I, I really feel like um, is, is a good description of what's happening in the lives of the people in this church as their lives are sourced in Jesus Christ. And as I'm hoping that if your life is not sourced in Jesus Christ, that after we're all done, you'll begin to connect with him. And that's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And this is what he said in his book, Life Together. Christianity means community through Jesus Christ. 
and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. This does not work if he is not the center of it. Even as I was telling you how on a personal private level, my life was kind of languishing when I felt disconnected from him, and it was reanimated as I um, stepped closer to him. Us as a people together, if Jesus is at the center, then our community begins to thrive. And he asks, what does this mean? So here's what he says uh, additionally. It means first that a Christian needs others because of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a pretty independent guy, but it was just amazing how I, I was in the middle of the throes of this ridiculous experience that we've gone through in our family. And I was thinking, man, I would just love to have some potato soup. And I don't know what it was. Nothing tasted good, but potato soup sounded so good. And then um, I get this call from Karen and Rob Coffee. Would you like some potato soup? And I'm like, Lord, wow. I should have thought, you know, steak or something. But <laughs> it was so good because I'm like, I cannot believe this. This is a miracle. Um, but I honestly think it's because we are like in that mind of Christ. And God just sort of puts us in that space where interesting things happen. It also means, second, that a Christian comes to others only through Jesus Christ. Um, meaning that our connection to each other, if it's me versus you or us versus them, because we're not asking, Lord, where do you fit in this relational equation? Then it's not going to work. Their community will not happen. And the Bible really is about creating a new community of people, but it has to be centered in Jesus. And third, that in Jesus Christ, we have been chosen from eternity, accepted in time, and united for eternity. That essentially means that God looked at us through the lens of space and time even before we were part of this whole experience here on earth. And he said, I've, I've created this earth as a space for them. But I know as soon as they come into this space without my son, it's going to break down. Because the only way that it can actually work as it's supposed to is when he's in the middle. And the reason why we proclaim the good news is so that vision that God has from all of eternity for us to be who we are supposed to be in him. When the gospel is proclaimed, then we're complete. Then we're made whole. Then our lives start to, we begin to move from darkness to light. We start to find restoration. Life goes from black and white to color. And then the bottom line is 
We are to be united for eternity. Now, a lot of us come to church and we're like, I'm, I'm concerned about getting saved personally and individually, and that's it. And there's, that's certainly a place to start. But I look at each of you guys, and I know that I'm going to be spending eternity with you all. And the good news for you guys, you're going to be spending it with me. All I can say, it's going to work. As long as you don't slam the garbage can lid, we'll be fine. But the truth is, it will work because Jesus is at the center. And he's giving us the same mind. And he's giving us the same heart. And he's giving us the same intention and, and, and willingness to honor the Father with our lives through obedience. And I guess I conclude this message with a call to become a part of that new humanity that can only be realized when Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. It will never happen by trying to earn it, to be good enough to go to church, to spend some time at home getting myself so that I can at least be around Christian people. No. You start where you're at, and then God says, now the work's going to begin in community where people encourage one another, they love one another, they comfort one another, they find ways of expressing to one another what we each need at a particular moment that that need occurs in its own form because Jesus is at the center of it all, orchestrating it all. I would just like to invite you into that relationship as uh, we conclude our message. And if you don't know him, uh, please just come and see me at the end of the service or you can even come forward and we just want to be, help you begin the journey. We're going to move from here into our time around the Lord's table and what our praise team wants to do is they're going to they're gonna offer some music, and I, I want you to find your communion cups and, um, and, and, and begin to open them up. And after the praise, praise team is done offering what they're, what they're doing, come on up, um, we're going um, to have our prayer and, uh, and, and just our brief time around um, the covenant meal.
blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. By a perfect sacrifice, I've been brought of your glorious grace. Your mercies and your kindness know no end. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. As we look at the loaf and the cup and we remember it through the lens of thanksgiving, which is the word Eucharist, um, it is a way of saying to the Lord, thank you for dying on the cross so that 
I might know forgiveness and through your son, eternal life. When we take the loaf and the cup and we consume it, it not only is an expression of gratitude, but it also is a covenantal agreement that says this loaf and this cup help to define my mindset, which should be the mind of Christ, and help me, Lord, to be obedient in the way that he was obedient. And Lord, as I drink of the loaf and the cup, bless it that it would nourish my spirit and enable me to be the person that you call me to be uh, in, the, in the remaining six and a half days of the week. So would you take with me? Save us, rose that we would be. 
Jesus, thank you for all that you've done to accomplish, to assure our security before you and forgive us fully, freely, forever. Forgiveness is just that, from your hand, fully, freely, and forever. So what do we have to look forward to? Forever, apart from all the things that trip us up now. So let us look to you now, and every time we do weaken those things that have a hold on us from the surpassing worth of beholding you with our hearts, minds, all of our actions. Fill us up with you. This is how we keep our lamps lit. It's for your wonderful name we thank you for all that you've accomplished this day to raise your name up as we pray for at the beginning of the service. May it continue week after week on forever. It's for your wonderful name we pray. Amen.